0: What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have KJ. By day, Katerina Jay works as a psychological science professor at a local university. She's also the lead researcher of the Advancement of Mental Health Lab and the author of the January 2023 SAGE publication books, Statistics with Humans. Now, by night, after all of that, she's also a powerhouse vocalist and songstress, fronts both the rock band's interstate run and the experimental music collective, Ramona Clay. On today's episode, KJ shares her dual journey of earning her PhD and becoming a professor, as well as stepping out to become a live music performer. We talk a ton about mental wellness, suicide, and depression. We also discuss arts connection and the impact it can have in the mental wellness arena. It's a great episode. Enjoy.
1: The Live and Create Podcast.
0: you there's so many uh things we can unpack you know you you have the the music world on one hand you have mental health and teaching on the other hand and then also like i'm just learning that you you've been kind of on this this health journey right it sounds like yeah there's so uh, many
1: different things
0: which is really cool i i'm so i'm fitness is kind of my passion it's my thing that other than music and my family i just think about obsessively (laughs) and so i'm curious for you You know, like I think you said you just recently lost 50 pounds, right? 50, yeah, that- it's
1: almost 55 now, but yeah, that's for awesome. Sure.
0: And so what inspired that journey for you?
1: Oh, well, so like, uh, in like August of 2020, I peaked at like 217 pounds. And so I started having some health problems, you know, I had been going through a lot of different situations and I was like super depressed and I just gained a whole bunch of weight. Um, and, uh, they're like, Hey, you need to lose weight or you're going to have problems. Cause really, I don't care what size I am. There's just more of me to love, you know, <laughs> um, but they're like, Hey, no, we got, got to get serious. So at the beginning of this year, I think I was, uh, like right around 200 pounds. And, um, you know, I dropped about 55 pounds total, just to kind of work on different things so I can be around for my kids, you know, yeah. hopefully grandkids one day, if that's in the cards for me and, i uh, figure, you know it's a lot easier, um, to take care of my health now while I'm young, uh, right. than to, to put it off. And it's hard, it's hard for everyone, I think, but uh, I love being active anyway. So kind of hopefully the pandemic slows down. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag. I never know what's actually going on with the pandemic, but, right. um, hopefully that'll allow me to kind of go out and do some things and adventure. Well, and I think um, a lot of
0: people during the pandemic, it was, such a strange time where it's I think it it drove a lot of us towards like unhealthy choices and Absolutely. I know for me it, it drove me I I've, I've shared way too many times on the podcast that you know in the beginning I just basically was like oh I'll just start smoking and drinking all the time because that sounds healthy was, um, why not <laughs> luckily I, I was able to end that pretty quickly uh, but yeah there was there was a few weeks of just you know diving into that and so for you was it more exercise was it diet was it what what was kind of the catalyst there?
1: Honestly, it's just working on trying to build habits that are healthy for like the long-term. Like, so that's trying to make like half my plate vegetables if I can, um, a quarter of it, protein quarter of it starch, nothing too out of control, but making little small choices, like not drinking whole milk, like switching to something that doesn't have as much, like fat and cholesterol in it. Um, not that those things are bad, um, but like our bodies already create all the cholesterol we need. So like 80% of the cholesterol you have in your body, your liver made for yourself. I didn't um, realize and most that. Most people didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I'm a super nerd. Like one of my worlds is being nerdy. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever something's going on in my life, ooh, I'm like, ooh, must read peer-reviewed journal articles on this. And how does this work? How does that <laughs> that work? And I go down my little rabbit holes. Well, and, having
0: a PhD will probably lead you to that. I, I you know, I have that kind of sometimes. mindset.
1: I'm a curious person by nature. So.
0: And that's that's really cool because I, you know, in and for the listener i know we typically talk business and uh, music and all that but like, like i said this is a fascinating world for me um but that's one thing i've always when i've seen, like the 30-day challenge like crazy crash diets or those kind of things like and i even did keto for a long time mm-hmm. which i ended up having to stop um because of just how it was affecting my body it's like i think i think whenever people can find like what's that sustainable thing even if it's just yeah. a small changes, you know, but it's something yeah. like, oh, no, I actually enjoy this food. Because that was my thing, honestly, with keto. I love beer. Oh, my you God. And I didn't couldn't didn't drink, drink beer, beer. forever. Right. And I'm like, finally, I was like, you know what, we got to figure something else right. out.
1: <laughs> you just have to figure out what works for you. Uh, and yeah. listening to your body's huge. And I think a lot of times in a lot of different areas, like people are radicalized quite a bit, and um, right. different things. And so it's like think, keto
0: can become a religion, or like CrossFit can yeah. become a religion, or you know, can. whatever.
1: Because we want community, humans want community, uh, yeah. and so we find it where we can. And I would say that's by design for sure.
0: That that is true. It's kind of built within us. But well, so. congratulations! That's really cool, and it's cool that it's wrapped up for you and just like sustainable life changes. That yeah, that sound like it. It's a, been a joyful process, at least uh, from the way.
1: Sometimes uh, maybe, maybe not
0: all the time. Right. Yeah. Some of it's not always.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Yeah. And exercise is great too. Um, I did have like a bone removed from my like, like really? it, uh, back in August. So a lot of it is just being intentional with what I'm eating, uh, and not saying that you can't have sweets and stuff like that, but just, right. you know, making sure, like, if you go out to eat, don't eat the whole thing, like right. share it with someone or eat half of it. Cause the portions are huge. <laughs> I remember one time
0: I I thought I was having blood sugar issues and I guess the, the doctors figured out, I'm just like, I'm not diabetic, but I have like a high sensitivity to sugar. And Mm. and so drinking is back to drinking. I do love drinking. So (laughs) so what they said was they're like, they're like, you still can have sugar. So you can't like put it out, but they're like, Maybe not have the whole picture of margarita, mm-hmm. and just have oh, the one that, margarita Miguel. Right? I was like, ah, that's what it is. That's <laughs> Get
1: the. I don't know what they're called. I don't know if they have low sugar or not, but like the skinny girl margaritas. No,
0: that's what I'm. I'm like I or I already order truly sometimes in public, and so I might as well just order a skinny girl margarita too. There you that go. Would be, got it. That'd be killer. <laughs> well, Why not? so you you have this uh, interesting double world going, and oh, yeah. I'm. I'm curious for you, uh, starting in with just like your PhD, starting with your work in mental health, like how is that all wrapped up together for you and what's that journey look like?
1: Wow. So there are so many ways we could go about this. Cause actually I'm working on a project that collides both of my worlds right now. Um, so, uh, the PhD, you know, I, uh, was always good at school, uh, and it was just something that I could do, you know, and uh, for that, you know, I got an undergraduate degree in psychology uh, and actually went on a music scholarship. I just didn't choose to study it. I played the B flat clarinet uh,
0: nice. from the age
1: of 10 all the way through college. Uh, and then I went on to uh, grad school to get my Ph.D. in psychological science and uh, worked on that. And actually I've been writing music my entire life, but nobody actually knew Um, until after (laughs) I graduated. So it was like a Uh, quiet
0: passion project in the background for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, because I mean, when I was in the fifth grade, it was mostly they gave you a choice. Do you want to be in band or do you want to be in choir? And so I went into band, which was great for me and a great outlet um, for music helped me learn pitch and sight reading and reading music and all those things. Um, But I'd like also in elementary school would sneak into the choir room and Composed music with my choir teacher from like elementary school before I had to make that choice and nice. I could always sing. Um, and I know I'm like way off topic, but I swear it'll come back. No, together. it's great. It's- <laughs> but- <laughs> (laughs) You know, like, so I was doing music this whole time, like while I was working on my PhD in Columbia, I, would you know, hide in my bathroom with a guitar and just write music. And it wasn't until later that uh, I found out that the neighbors in my duplex next door could hear me. So I ended up in a praise team uh, in (laughs) Columbia during that time, too. Uh, And, you know, I was actually I was mortified of singing in front of people until when um, we moved back to Kansas City. Uh, in 2014, I decided I'm going to get over this fear, started going karaoke. Wow. I'm going to answer so many of your questions at the same time no, that's and great. to get over well, that's it. That's such
0: a great, that's a great step, um, out there actually worked with a vocalist once where she was so scared to be on stage, but wanted to so bad. And that's where she ended up going. There's a Arthur's bar is a place down here that has karaoke on the weekends. She started just trying stuff out there.
1: <laughs> Why not? right? And people are usually pretty welcoming. And people kept being like, hey, you should start a band, you should start a band. And then uh, one day, the drunkest of all drunkest people came up and was like, put his arm around me. And he's like, hey, you, uh, you should really be in a band, you're wasting your talent. And so I promised that man, um, who I don't know his name, uh, that I would start <laughs> a band. Mr. Drunk
0: Karaoke Man.
1: Yes, it was fantastic, right? <laughs> um, and it, I'd never met him before that night. But I uh, put something out in social media like, hey, who wants to start a rock and blues band with me? And in 24 hours, I had my band formed, uh, my first and current called Interstate Run. Uh, And so uh, it's gone through so many different iterations at this point. But um, from that post, I was able to meet my guitarist who's been with me on this journey the whole time, uh, Chris Stefani. We actually used to go karaoke once a week. Like he would come with me and it was so great. And we'd sing our little karaoke songs. And you know, I started getting a lot better with stage performance. We ended up being a duo for a while. Um, And then we actually are coming off a three year break right now. Um, And so we have a whole new uh, cast of members. We have Chris Stefani, who's been with me the whole time. We have Charlie Allen, uh, who also just recently started playing with Ivory Blue. Um, who's okay. another dear friend of mine. Um, we have Walt Powell, who is a legend in the music scene here in Kansas City. Uh, and then one of the best drummers I've ever met in my entire life. And not just that, but one of the most kindest people, Alex Boyd, um, is my drummer in that project. And that's so i awesome. um, super excited. We just booked our first show um, back yes. in a few years. Yeah. So July 23rd, um, we're going to be playing at the Warwick Theater. Okay, and You are the first person to know these details. Um, and Boom. that's that right? Yeah. Really. <laughs> <Give him Shackawaka. laughs> that's uh, 3927 main street in Kansas city. And we're going to be playing that with Lonnie Fisher and the funeral along with killer city.
0: Nice. That's yeah. awesome.
1: So, so for I you, that, uh,
0: yeah. that, that journey though, like it, it sounded like music was more just kind of an outlet while you focused on your studies for a long season.
1: Uh, music's the is only that... thing I have not been able to give up my entire life. It is the only thing that has been one of the very few things that's been consistent since I was little, like I was writing music in the shower before I even knew anything about music. And so it was really interesting to have that music side, also have my academic side because I am a professor at a local university, right? I run um, the advancement for mental health research lab. Um, And then I have this other side of me where, you know, I'm the song, I'm songwriter and the front person for, you know, my high energy uh, rock band interstate run, but also I have another upcoming um, experimental collective called Ramona clay. Uh, And so, yeah, no, it, but the new project it's weird, right? You have a front person, same front person for two bands, but they're going to be so different. It'll be interesting to see if people really recognize that I'm the front and songwriter for both.
0: Yeah. That's, it's kind There's, of like uh Maynard. He's got a perfect circle and tool and yeah. I think like one other band or something like that. So a little different genre than what you do. I oh, but- <laughs> love
1: it. But why not? Like, why not? There's so many different pieces to who I, who I am and people really like to con- try to constrain me or put me into a box when boxes yeah. don't actually exist right <laughs> well, that's one
0: thing you had mentioned you know you got you felt like you had got off topic and that's one thing i've loved about these interviews with it being like a longer one is just the reality is is all of us are so multifaceted. you know we're all and
1: eclectic it's like yeah. the world
0: the world tries to force us to niche down but i think what makes people the most interesting is is how everything like connects how everything correlates because like for me i'm a band leader i'm a business owner i'm a father i'm a husband i'm a you know like all those things work together to build especially when you're talking about art to influence your art and how it impacts people especially your journey it seems like a fascinating thing because uh, the psychology end especially connected with writing original music Mm -hmm. yeah, um, absolutely it seems like it could be such a powerful asset because and I'm hoping like, so. and even for us, we're in the process of writing for 2023 and we're we're going through like all the concepts, we're digging into like our rhythms and how the, the arrangements stack, but we're also digging into like, what is, how do we connect the things that we're wrestling mm-hmm. with in such yeah. a palatable way in the right language to, to the audience? Um How have you seen, the integration between this pursuit and psychology and mental health overlap for you. Your what a great
1: music. segue. I didn't even pay you $5 for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this new experimental um, collective that I'm creating called Ramona Clay, I'm going to tell you who my members are real quick because there's a bunch okay. of us. <laughs> so right now we like have- the Arcade uh, but,
0: Fire of Kansas City, is, is that what it is? <laughs>
1: don't tell anyone, right? And we're going to actually going be trying to take on different types of artists with us too. But um, for right now, in terms of musicians, I have Burt Lytle, uh, I have Joe Lepper, I have Nick Sossman, Uh, I have Tim Jenkins and Sean Flume. And so those are my musicians. So we have uh, guitars, we have violin, we have trumpet, you know, we have not just a drum set, but people who can play um, symphonic percussion. Uh, And in this project, what I'm doing is I'm actually merging two of my major worlds um, together. And I'm going to be combining music and art and science, um, with a mission, right? And so I actually have a platform for this project where I want to help reduce suicidality um, and increase mm-hmm. access to mental health services. So um, these types of shows are going to be more experiences. I'm creating some couture type shows, and hopefully no two shows are going to be the same.
0: Help, help me out what, what couture means. So they're going to be, be
1: really um, special. And I can't talk about different things quite yet. Um, I, I get that.
0: If you got to hold on, I just didn't recognize that as I've heard the word before, but I was like, I don't right. know. They're, just gonna, so. okay. They're gonna just gonna be specialized
1: shows.
0: Okay. They're going to be experiences.
1: It's not just going to be music. Um, I like but, that. um, so maybe like, and this won't be every show. Cause like I said, I'm hoping every show will be different, but it could be an art installation. Hmm. Um, it could be different partnerships, um, that I can't talk about quite yet. Um, But uh, with that, I'm still looking for different types of connections. I'm actually going to be putting some calls out into social media pretty soon. But like Mm -hmm. artists, dancers, classical musicians, stylists, cinematographers, uh, major mental health organizations, galleries, graphic designers, anything. If people have a talent um, and they want to be a part of what we're doing, um, because I'm using music as an avenue um, Mm. to help people, um, because why not? Yeah. Why not?
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's, uh, are you familiar with Quixotic?
1: I am. And Your that's founder? actually, that's who I'm going to hit up. One of the people that are okay. one of the groups I'm going to try to hit up. So if anybody from Quixotic thinking. is listening right now, um, you can hit me up on Instagram at Katerina J. Uh, and so Instagram would be where it's at.
0: Nice. Yeah. They're amazing at uh, full experience of, you know, like turning an entire rooftop into an entire musical and artistic experience with dance and uh, just very tangible things. That's, that's really cool. Um, For you, what started the journey into the world of psychology? What, why did I, I basically, so like your love for academics, why did it funnel down to psychology for you?
1: I just liked it. I ended up taking a psych class. I'm like, this is cool. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> why not? Right. Um, and really it's about just learning. I think the biggest thing is learning to listen to people and what they're actually saying, because most of the time what people are saying, um, doesn't actually align with what they're really trying to communicate to right. people. And so, uh, now I, I, you know, I teach, I'm a professor now, but before, you know, working and training to learn, how do you do counseling? How do you do these different things? And, everybody needs help at some point. Uh, and, and, you know, people reach out to other people all the time about trying to be like, or try to process through their different emotions and things like that. And so it just seemed really natural. And then, um, mm-hmm. when I finished my undergraduate degree, I applied for PhD programs because why not there's that bumper sticker again. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just went ahead and went for it. I got, you know, on a full ride for both my nice. undergrad and my PhD, um which is great cuz i came from a really um poor family um i was a pre reduced lunch kid we had squirrels right. living in our walls and our duplex oh. you know i was a latchkey kid um maybe younger than what i should have but i was i survived <laughs> so here we are you're like i made it through we're all right we're all right i did right yeah so and and i just fell into that world and i i love people it's a, it's a, Kind of a love-hate relationship sometimes because I'm both (laughs) extroverted and introverted Um, Uh at the same time. um, I love talking to people, things like that. Sometimes I get worn out, um, which is something I was not prepared for. Last time when Interstate Run started getting really popular, Uh, I didn't know what I was doing already because it was my first band, uh, my forever band. Uh, But I think now that we've had some time off, we've actually been rehearsing for a year and we haven't really told everyone everything that we're doing. We're probably going to drop a single called Give You Everything. I'm thinking probably in July, right around July 23rd, when we're going to be playing the Warwick Theater. Right on. Um, But I'm more prepared now, right? I know you can't (laughs) put where you're, you can't check into places because people will come find you or you got to make sure people walk you out to your car and you just have to be Well, and I think it's
0: compounded uh, from the stories of my other friends as well, who are female in the industry, I think it's it's a compounded issue. You know, where like I yeah. remember one day breaking it down, we sat down with uh, another artist, uh, female, who was we she was asking about social media and our social media strategies and at the time a lot of our strategies were centered around like messaging fans who are reaching out to us and then how you connect with them and after me and daniel you know our our drummer we're just telling all of our brilliant ideas you know and and we're just two dudes you know and she just looks at us and goes i couldn't imagine if i tried that strategy the kind of message i would get and we both stopped and Mm -hmm. we're like shit I just it was something I never consider and like you said like someone walking you out you know after Mm -hmm. a show it's you have to do it because I've I've been in strange situations as a man but I'm also six foot you know at at the time we were touring I was 220 you know like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna feel threatened like you have to be very large person to make me feel threatened like a linebacker on a football team you know it's (laughs) like but like our friends in the industry uh, who are women it's just yeah, they, them breaking it down. And the shit that people say is crazy. I don't know if you follow uh, Jessica Page and Thank she you. puts it out publicly, you know, and like I'll That's just great. like read her post to my wife and she's like, "People literally say this shit to her?" <laughs> it's right. it's nuts.
1: Well, I there's something I call the microphone effect. So I should trademark that. So microphone effect trademarked by KJ.
0: They're getting <laughs> all these trademarks on this right. podcast. I love it.
1: You're going to come up with all these ideas. <laughs> Uh, but it, I call it the microphone effect. Anytime you put a microphone in anyone's hand, they automatically become attractive, even more so. <laughs> so it doesn't matter who you are. Let's put you in front right. of a band. And if you are a real authentic person and if you're the person writing the lyrics and you're delivering them, uh, you connect with people, right? And, yeah. and so when you connect with job. another human, yeah. And, and that's the one of the best parts of it. But then um, sometimes people get ideas um, mm-hmm. that are just one-sided and that can be horrifying. Right. To be honest.
0: Uh, what are, if you don't mind sharing, what are some things as a female in the, in the industry, like boundaries that you've set up for yourself that help, mm-hmm. help protect you and, and keep you safe in that regard?
1: Yeah. I mean, so uh, my guys in my band um, know to walk me out to my car. Uh, they know, uh, or like even like social media, I had to go and just stop all social media and restart about a year ago. Uh, and, and that was really hard because I cut off a lot of connections, but also let me, um, control what kind of information's being put out onto the social media realm so that people won't come find where I am. Right, uh, right. you know, it's like being very intentional, uh, whenever you're doing interviews, being like, Hey, you cannot say where I work or don't say where I live or things like that. And being just really mindful of the information that you're putting out there and making sure that you're kind of controlling um, that information. You know, I have uh, one of my members of my band is an ethical hacker. And so I went them, had them go through all of my social media and be like, okay, what are some of these weaknesses so that I can tighten it up um, because I'm prepared this time, so if I start getting a ton of messages, I also have something that says, um, "What? What is it? Something like it's like a no solicitation sign for my social media. It says like no solicitations, you'll be unfriended." Yeah. And right. so, just setting those boundaries up front are really important. Likely, I'll move to where I'm not managing my own social media. Um, so. They'll be connected with someone else who can be my filter. So I don't have to worry about that. And I can focus more on the art because that's where it is.
0: Absolutely. Um, the, you had mentioned a word earlier. It was uh, suicide, suicidality, am I? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh.
1: yeah. And so Absolutely.
0: I'm not, obviously I, I know what suicide is, but I've, I've never heard anyone term that phrase. Is that another trademark that. That we no, I, I can't for- that. No.
1: <laughs> so, I do a lot of research <laughs> in suicide prevention, uh and right. so when I say suicidality, that could be actually thought over within the research what it actually means, but um I should not use jargon when I'm talking to people who don't do this. It just means suicidal thoughts <laughs> and different behaviors right. whether it's a plan, suicide urge, thoughts, um non-fatal or fatal suicide attempts.
0: Right. And so it's kind of the encompassing world of of suicide or yeah. attempted suicide in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the like the umbrella term for that whole field. Well, and it seems like,
0: you know, in general, the struggle with depression and suicide, the more, so like, well, and I'll rewind a little bit. So part of my story is I have dealt heavily with, uh, anxiety, OCD. I think I share some of that with, uh, when we were at the crossroads, uh, talking about yeah, like, mental health in, in artistry. And, and so that, that had driven me like to su- suicidal ideation, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. so that that finds itself in my art, um, but I never would talk publicly about it. And then I was encouraged yeah. to start mm-hmm. sharing. You should, yeah. And, uh, and I did. And when I started to, that's when like these floodgates opened. One of connecting with audiences in a way I never imagined. I remember one of the first shows of like just, it was at a college campus for like 500 high school students. They were bringing in mm, for like a great. promo thing and it was just a line like they it sure. was a massive line of kids who sharing their own stories sharing what they've dealt with so i think as a culture as a whole we we deal with depression and suicide heavily but i also think the more and more i talk to my friends who are artists it's even more compounded because of the nature of our job one and also just the nature of like our emotions like our greatest gift in a sense becomes our our greatest like um, weakness in a sense. I hate to use the word weakness. I am looking for a better word, but it's I like, like vulnerability
1: you know, to be honest. Vulnerability.
0: Yeah. That, th- I think that sounds, that sounds way better in that regard because it's not like, um, a choice necessarily. In that well, and a lot so- of people
1: deal with that. No, a lot of people don't understand how many people actually have suicidal thoughts at some point in their life. Uh, the album that we're working on actually, I wrote an entire concept album, um, for Ramona Clay, that we're working on right now, fleshing out the different parts with live players. Because I just kind of hold myself up into the corner in my bedroom and right. learn to do like Logic Pro and write different lines, like bass lines and guitar parts. And I have nice. my little acoustic drum set in my bedroom. <laughs> and uh, the, when I hear uh, Logic
0: Pro and layering instruments, I get all excited. It sounds yeah. So there you
1: go. Fun. You're like ah, <laughs> <me."> <laughs> But our project is called the things we don't talk about. Um, And so the whole concept album centers on this mental health, which is why we're able, going to be able to have this platform um, for these experiences and these partnerships where we're going to actually be able to help people. So there's songs in there about being stalked, about uh, suicidal thoughts and behaviors, Mm -hmm. about depression, PTSD, like all these different types of things. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a song in there called Can't Bring You Back. That's about one of my friends um, who was a metal musician here in town who died by suicide a little while back. Um, And we don't talk about these things and um, by being very intentional with doing this whole concept album. I'm actually hoping it'll be a visual album so I don't know are you familiar with visual albums.
0: Yes. A little bit. And I know so like Beyonce's lemonade
1: is a big, yeah. huge one. Um, but I have a whole visual album storyboarded. So that's why I, w- I was saying like, I'm going to need so much help. I'm going to be trading services. I can look at resumes for people. <laughs> I know some public, I know random stuff. Like I'm going to be trading and doing as many things as I can. Cause I am the teacher. Um, right. but, but I think it's going to work out because it's going to help a lot of people. Uh, and I don't care if we make any money from it, but I am very dedicated to making it happen.
0: Yeah, and it seems like such an important conversation uh, that people want to have. And it's hard to find w- in conversations I've had, it's it, it's hard to find people who are willing to talk um, honestly about it, like right. from all perspectives. That was I, I got hired to do a, a speech once on just kind of depression, suicide, that kind of thing and did like a combination of music and all that. And that was what some of the students said was they had never had many people talk honestly about it. It's like people want to either be like, "Um, yeah, like it's like they don't want to dive into the full subject. You know, It's almost like the sex talk where they're like, like parents like, hey, don't have sex or be smart. All right. And then they run out of the room as opposed to like, Mm -hmm. let's have some really in-depth conversations. There's a, uh, do you know, are you familiar with the rapper Joyner Lucas at all? I'm not um, I have to send you the link. Yes. Um, I don't know yeah. if you like rap or not, but I think definitely from
1: everything.
0: Okay. Sweet. But definitely from the perspective of suicide, he, he, it's a song that he wrote to, I believe it was a cousin who killed himself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's two sided, um, of like his hurt and his anger, like his anger and, and diving into that because yeah, there, there's the people who are dealing with the suicide. And then there's also the people who are, who have to deal with the wake of suicide
1: afterwards, oh, too, which
0: is so heavy
1: and one of my experiences is when um and i don't know if we talked about this earlier when i lived in houston texas uh you know i worked as a school psychology uh, intern. And I worked on a crisis team where we responded to student death by suicide. Um, and so I responded to two different ones and it was really interesting, um, going through experience because I've lost two friends to suicide over my life so far. Um, but humans, we think how different we are all the time. Um, but seeing the reactions that people had, we're so much more alike than what people understand. So it's really common to feel guilty, anger, sadness, Um, nostalgia, like melancholy, there's like all at the same time. And so that song I was telling you about earlier encompasses that um from the perspective because it's really cathartic for people. So I just played a show back in March at um the pairing down in the crossroads. And I usually save that song for very, very last because uh when I started playing it, uh entire bar was silent um, Mm -hmm. because I talk about it honestly and authentically. Um, and people started crying. Some people had to leave the room. And so I think it's really important to give people that thing that they can connect with, relate to, and understand that they're not alone and that um, it's okay to feel more than one thing at one time. Right. There's no rules where you have to only feel one emotion. (laughs) Like you must be happy or you must be angry. It's okay to feel them all. And I think it's really important that we give ourselves space to be able to Mm -hmm. actually feel. And that's how I write my music. Like after uh, my friend died by suicide, I don't think I touched music or was able to write anything for seven months because I wasn't ready to confront, um, that situation at all. I wasn't, and I cannot lie to myself when I write music. Um, a lot of times I write double edged lyrics, so, uh, I can box whatever emotion I'm feeling, uh, from whatever experience or multiple experiences in a way that people can understand it, but may not be the same context, but that song's just very straightforward uh, about that experience for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting. I've been in this, um, I've been on this journey, just trying to study like Buddhism. Um, I'm, I have no plans to like convert and I'm not trying to convert anybody. (laughs) It's just, I got, I've been very into meditation and like going that way more from a neurological like yeah mindfulness uh, yeah mindfulness kind of perspective but there's some concepts in Buddhism that I think are rather interesting and that was that's one thing um, that the book that I've been reading has been talking about is this concept of being able to accept you know like the pain or the thought or whatever the things are you know and being able to sit with it and not have to do something about it
1: and that's such a
0: weird fucking idea (laughs) <laughs> for, for, I think Americans in general, maybe humans, but, uh, but I just feel like, and I'm such a like goal oriented. Okay. You fix this. That's why OCD was so hard for me at first. Cause it, it was like, I didn't know what to do. Like my whole life was stopping and I could not fix it. And it's yeah. like, there's gotta be a way, you know, <laughs> it's like, at some point just being able to relax. And, and some of it, you know, some of that healing process is, um, is, is just kind of relaxing into it and understanding it just is.
1: And they have a lot of research on mindfulness, which takes some of the principles from Buddhism, uh, yeah. such as being intentional breath or being in the moment, not think, drifting your thoughts to the past or worrying about the future in uh, reducing anxiety type symptoms. Uh, And so that's really great practice because we also know, I know you talked about suicide and depression, but what we actually see um, there's typically different things that um, set a person from having suicidal thoughts from not, and then Hmm. a whole different criteria from having suicidal thoughts to making an attempt. And so we know
0: yeah,
1: that depression presence and severity, uh, sexual assault history, uh, PTSD, drug use disorder, and a missing one. PTSD, sexual assault history, drug use disorder, depression, and anxiety all connect to either suicidal thoughts or suicide attempts. Um, but we don't talk about those things, right. Right. Um, we just, and, and there's not just one path, um, that someone goes on if they're going toward, uh, that kind of attempt or thoughts and things like that. So it's really important not to peg people into certain spots. And sometimes people may not actually know, um, why those things are happening. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, uh, sometimes, you know, you'll see people who like their brains just giving them automatic thoughts and they don't stop to think, Hey, my brain's being an asshole, right? <laughs> like, they don't do that, <laughs> right? Um, but we are so mean to ourselves. Like yeah, we, we internalize mean.
0: it to where it's us, but it's not. It's not necessarily us. It's like you're going to have negative thoughts, you know, coming. And that's where like mindfulness, the one of the first things that really started helping me is that idea where they described it like clouds, you know, in a sky. It's like they're all these thoughts are just flying by you, and you don't have to stare at them. That <laughs> like, yeah, but pass that's. Pass. That's also a hard discipline when you, when I think our, our culture in general, you know, it's either escape or like obsession is, is yeah. the two things we like, um, <laughs> to de- is how we deal with things, you know, and oh, I, I know how I've be, dealt with yeah. things. Um, there's a, th- this I'm curious about too, because, so there's a song that 21 Pilots put out and I can't remember the name of it, it their last album. Maybe I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. Essentially, he talks about the glorification because he's he's he deals he like shares within his music, like struggling with depression all these kind of things. But he talks about like the glorification, it seems sometimes of suicide. Oh, huge.
1: Well. And, and as a suicide prevention researcher, sorry, I interrupted you. I'll let no, you go. You're and great. Well, that's a really big thing that we battle is that glorification. So for example, I'm not going to say the name of the show that was on Netflix because it was horrible. We actually saw an influx of teenagers going uh, to to emergency departments with suicide attempts. Um, But there was a show on Netflix that showed a really graphic scene um, of a person making a suicide attempt. uh, And it was very glorified. There was not a conversation about mental health. Uh, nothing of that within it. And one of my organizations that I'm part of American Association of Suicidology uh, actually lobbied that show to take that scene out. And eventually um, after a lot of education uh, and working with that, that uh, director and the people who were in charge of that Netflix, they took the scene out. Because we did we saw an influx of kids those age, um, because suicides contagious. And so that's why you have to be very careful not to glorify um, suicidal thoughts and behaviors in movies or in music or uh, in media spots like in podcasts or even lyrics. And there's a lot of rock bands. I think that want to be able to have that connection to people want to be able to talk about some of these things, but may not know exactly how to do that. So for example, uh, it is not a good thing to show someone dying by suicide by any means in any type of music video or anything like that. And there's actually a media guidelines out there that you could look up. I could actually shoot you some links if you would like. Um, But like if someone dies by suicide, don't put the method in there there's no reason for that um if if uh, someone dies by suicide don't glorify it well they were a really great person they got stressed out people get stressed out all the time but they don't make that temporary solution their permanent solution um see their problems because most of these things that we go through will pass eventually uh wow. and we can just get down into these dark paths or these dark time periods where everyone does go through dark periods in their life mm-hmm. um but finding a way to be realistic and honest and vulnerable uh, and getting really good information out there. And that's why I'm so excited about this new project to be able to do that from both yeah, that's cool. my artistic side and also my researcher side. I joke that I'm the real Hannah Montana for that reason, right? Because I have this music <laughs> side of me, the academic side of me. I'm also very adventurous, um, but, but it's really important to have good information out there because a lot of people yeah. don't have good information at all. Well, and that's
0: powerful insight because I remember being in the studio, we were working on, um, it was, they ended up just being demos. It was going to be an album, but when the band had quit for a season, Mm -hmm. uh, that just kind of put on the shelf and we're already way, we're past what we did then. So they're all But we had a song where I talked pretty explicitly about, um, suicide, but it wasn't in a sense of, basically it was like a story of it. And we debated for quite a long time as to whether or not, we should even do it because it was like, it was that idea of wanting to bring uh, awareness and a powerful story. Cause I also know, like I connect with artists who share those kind of things, Um, but painfully so, you know, like uh, Chester Bennington is one of those people that his, literally his album Meteora got me through one of the darkest Mm -hmm. times in my life. But then, you know, uh, 15 years later he ends up killing himself still, yeah, you know, and and those, those are heavy.
1: Well, and when artists, right. stuff like that, or, you know, Robin Williams or all these are, mm-hmm. when you have a celebrity that dies by suicide, uh, the way that the media handle it, handles it, um, often will determine whether or not we have suicides that are like an influx of suicides, even particularly with the method, um, that the right. people use.
0: Well, that's what's fascinating. The book tipping point, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. are you familiar mm-hmm. with that one where yeah, it talks about, Oh, nice. <laughs> I'll pull it off right here. Yeah. It's such a great book. I've, I can't tell you how many times I read that, where he talks about how suicide is contagious and where that even, I think there's a season in California where an elderly man had drove his car into like a wall to kill himself. And then they notice elderly people like an uptick because that it got reported and it was just happening all over California, all of a sudden. And that was, it's like, it's baffling
1: there's a, a theory called social learning theory uh, and the theorist for that's called Bandura. And it basically uh, talks about how we learn through watching other people. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I can't say why, right. I, I can't say why people do these things or why suicide is right. contagious. Um but really, if you see someone else, like with social learning theory, if I see an artist that I think is about equivalent to where my skills are, I, if I see them end up on The Voice or American Idol or sign with Big Machine Records. I'm like, wow, I could do this. Right. So oh, yeah, like, yeah. I curiously, you're like, they can do I can do this, too, because they are great. Um, hmm. And those are my buddies and. They're doing wonderful things. And, and when you see other people that you identify with, which is why it's so important to have representation, music and education in these different right. areas um, with diverse people, uh, you think maybe I could do it too.
0: Hmm. And it's interesting because it does seem like so many things of human nature. There's a really beautiful side to it. And then a dark side to it, Absolutely, it's like, like that you see a ignition of like, shit, I can do this, but yeah, seeing the inverse on that. Yeah, that's that's interesting because i still to this day wrestle with how to talk about some of those things in songs especially because i think about how um there's artists that i think carry me through and it was honest mm-hmm. it was their honesty of their story yeah. um but the fearful thing is writing something that could lead someone down a darker path too
1: right catharsis first like enabling maybe in some ways yeah. maybe those aren't the appropriate words for it but i know there was a song on the radio and i don't want to say its name cuz i don't want to advertise it but they just go straight through their suicide attempt and multiple suicide attempts in the song and as a songstress like that lyrics are my thing and my most favorite important piece of music to me is lyrics, but I think a lot of people don't actually listen to lyrics either, but they get mm. caught in their brain. So I remember, uh, while I lived in Columbia, I, you know, I was on a playground with my children and I heard like probably a nine-year-old walk by and she goes, welcome to the sex show and was singing it. And I'm like, Ooh. but the thing is, if you're <laughs> listening to this music, right, it's yeah. going to be part <laughs> of who you are. And I'm just like,
0: she's probably not even thinking wow. about what the lyric means, but no, it, it's like, <laughs>
1: But that's important, but, but then that kind of influences your cognitions and uh, the way that you think about the world, your schemas, your worldview. Uh, and so it's hard, right? Cause you can't control anyone else's behaviors. Right. So right. I I can't control, I barely control myself most of the time, more or less. <laughs> <someone else. laughs> right? I'm like, Ooh, Shana, thanks. But there,
0: and I think there is that reality, reality of influence though, you know, and absolutely. But yeah, like you said, you don't control that. It's not necessarily that someone's responsible for that. Um, no. And
1: some people will, people will send stuff to me a lot of times. So like a lot of my friends will send music to me or music videos and be like, look through this for me. And, you cool. know, um, I had a friend, um, who's actually doing really well. Um, but they, uh, sent me a video and in the music video, they hung themselves and like, you can't do this. Right. And I was like, and I was like, well, I mean, you can do whatever you want. But I would advise strongly against this because this could actually increase suicide, um, whereas you're trying to decrease by sharing your experience, which I completely understand and think is wonderful. You just have to be careful of uh, the way that you manifest it and try not to take the easy way out with that, right? Mm-hmm. There's ways to be creative and get the same things out. Or you can make music or songs if you want to talk graphically about a suicide attempt. Just don't release it let it be a song for you because most artists right. have songs that they release to the world, um, and other ones that you don't, which is why we get a lot of basement tapes and things out there. <laughs> but then the problem is when you die, they're going to release them anyway. So well, that's true. Yeah. Especially if you're Bob Dylan, that's right. <laughs> they're definitely
0: putting those out now. That's really cool too. Just the the thought of, uh, pushing things out there. I think writing in a context where you can get feedback from people in general is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when you're dealing with heavier, heavier topics like that, but that's what some of those songs are fascinating to me. I wish I can't remember. I can't tell from the titles. I can't remember which one it is, but it essentially, um, I think his name's Tyler Joseph, the lead singer. He he's talking about, uh, if he ends up committing suicide to not ever glorify, like if he were to do that, that he shouldn't be glorified for that. That he wants yeah. them to find peace and healing. He doesn't want them to go down that road. And uh and he sees so many, yeah, like Juice World's probably an artist that's, oh yeah, that I he, respect a ton. And it, I mean, it wasn't suicide, but in a way it was. And he telegraphed it for a good year and a half. You know, well, that and that's looking at drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. drug use, yeah, drug use disorder. Well, and that's because and so much of it's wrapped mm-hmm. and heavy in heavy, and I think that's why you see so many artists deal with it because. You know, if you feel like shit or you feel like you live in an existential crisis at all times, like sometimes it's just way easier to take a pill or way easier to drink a lot or wait, you know, um, and run from those things. But unfortunately we see how that story goes each
1: time. Well, and the music industry, and I've talked about this in some other interviews that I've done, uh it doesn't help much either because anytime you go out to a show a lot of times venues will give you free drinks and then your fans or your, you know, different patrons will want to buy you a drink because a lot of times then you'll sit with them and talk with them. And so was there one in connection, but you know, if we look at the research, like research wise, uh, people in women's bodies really should only have one drink per day, one serving alcohol a day period. So that's like four ounces of wine. Everyone hates me now. Right. Or in people in male bodies. I want to cry.
0: You telling me that. I I know.
1: Right. Getting back on that health journey. Right. Uh, So only, and then people in male bodies are really should only have two drinks maximum. So you only get two of those skinny girl margaritas now. Um, I know. Damn. Well, then it's connected to 200 different diseases and disorders. Right. And so like our body our liver filters all these things through. We talked about cholesterol earlier, like liver damage is not a great thing. Uh, it's right? not a good thing. Not good yeah.
0: for you. Well, that's, there's a, a podcast guest I had, his name's uh, Coach Rusty. It's okay. God, I think it was like episode 20 or something. You're you'll you be go. episode, I think 84. Um, And. So I'm that was 84th his thing
1: on your list no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i this man that does sound
0: that does sound bad it's like yeah you're 84 but hey there's an 100 out there somewhere there so you go. Just, but um that was his story of it was more from the health world where he's like my job was to throw a party every night like he was mm-hmm. a touring musician and he's like right. so of course like the the kind of bars and stuff that they were doing night after night and he's like copious amounts of alcohol he's like it was just insane when he looks back on it now it was just life then because yeah it's just part of the culture of what you're doing as an artist in most contexts um luckily we started doing a lot more uh colleges and stuff and so they actually they frown upon any kind of any kind of drug use like i one time we one time an advisor invited us after a show to get dinner with them and to have a drink. And we even had to call our agent just to clear it, to make sure it was even possible like that. Right. So that's actually, that helps curb some of that if you get into that's those great. environments. Um, but yeah, that's where, when you look at artists um, and this is a subject, are you familiar with V-Tran at all?
1: Uh, are you talking about the person in KC? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And he does a lot of great stuff uh, on, on wellness for artists. And this one thing we talk about is the fear a lot of us have, and I had it, um, to get on medication or Mm -hmm. to go to counseling because like I literally was afraid. I'm not shooting. I just got back on my SSRIs or however you say it. Um, (laughs) And I still, I still, even though I've had positive things in the past, I still was afraid, kind Mm -hmm. of afraid to take it because I was kind of afraid that it would affect my ability to write, to right. affect mm-hmm. my ability to to emote, and I don't know how much you you see that in the arts world. How much you you del- delve into that, even in your studies? Um, I don't know what to you. What is that? What. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It's hard, right? Because like, whenever we talk about medications for mental health, some, for some reason, it just becomes some weird taboo thing. But you know, if you need insulin, it's not a big deal. If you need an EpiPen, that's not a bad thing. Right. And like, uh, if we look at uh, schizophrenia spectrum disorders, Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually have their first episode uh, if they take drugs, because it increases dopamine in their brain. And so the way that Uh, medications or pharmaceuticals work for that disorder is, uh, in your brain, you have neurons and neurons talk to each other. So they have like little like keyholes essentially, um, in the, the neuron. And, um, when there's uh, people with schizophrenia spectrum disorders have typically more dopamine receptors. So -hmm. you increase the dopamine, um, and it fills all these holes. And then that causes visual, uh, auditory hallucinations. So for a medication for that, they actually have to have things that look like dopamine, uh, and they go into those receptors. So the dopamine can't get in. Right. So it's like, so that's biological. Brain, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's difference between like depression or certain mood disorders and, uh, adjustment disorders. Right. So well, it's an
0: adjustment disorder. So
1: if you know have, that. if you lose a spouse or a loved one or a ah. child, um, you're going to be sad and that's natural. That's not necessarily a uh, depression. Right. You went through shitty circumstance and you're sad and you're angry in these things. And that's normal. Like that's hundred percent normal and grief timelines. People don't understand it, that most of the time people are still in shock during the mm-hmm. funeral. They're still in shock for that first month or three months. And then when people are actually ready to start grieving, they don't have that support system that they actually need later on, and it can take yeah, a really yeah. long time, and that's okay. But humans are so uncomfortable about communicating about emotions, which mm-hmm. I think actually comes from whether or not their family of origin communicate about emotions, or if they were or reinforced they to hide them. Yeah, yeah, reinforced or punished right. to hide their emotions and stuff them down. So yes. I don't, I, you know, and I can imagine artists wanting to be able to feel because that's where a lot of people's music comes from. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think that's up to the individual and and what they want to do, but people should not be afraid to go on medication. I don't think.
0: Right. And I, I've seen it, like I said, I see it in myself. Um, and I, I've talked to a lot of other musicians where it's, they, and what's so funny is all of us laugh because when we finally did it and sought out like the counseling or finally took the medication as like the most productive periods of our yeah. life. Cause guess Do what? Things. We weren't like wallowing in. Yeah. Like it just, <laughs> but it's so funny. I even, you know, I, so I started taking it again and seeing the results and feeling way more focused, all those kind mm-hmm. of things. And then I was like, I'm good. So I'll just stop. And it, like, and then it, it all comes so... back.
1: It's the worst lie. Well, I'm healed.
0: It... I'm curious with you being more in the academic world, because I know some people who are bipolar and they go through those cycles where they're doing great and the world's great and their lives are back together and same kind of deal, you know, much on mine on a much smaller scale, like I decided, oh, everything's great. I must be good. So let me stop. Is there anything like you guys have studied in that realm of like where that comes from too?
1: Uh, so this is not going to be a lot about what I study, but from like personal experience of being around mm-hmm. people with, uh, one of the bipolar disorders. Uh, so when we talk about bipolar, typically, um, people know about mania and depressive episodes, uh, but this is one of the most misunderstood disorders out there, um, because depression, um, can stop people from doing things. Maybe paralyzed on their bed and can't move. Um, but then, if you you eventually get into a manic episode, it doesn't mean that everything's good, or it could be right. So people have mania in different types of way. It could be um, anger. It can be irritability. Uh, but it could also be intense productivity. It could also be relief, like, wow, I, you know, I finally beat this disorder. It's not going to be a problem anymore, but that's because you feel really good. Uh, And so um, that's just one of those disorders that you need a medical team to help you with and make decisions for you, because that is, you know, a heavy decision on if you want to be on those types of medications or not, but it can also, doesn't mean it's going to take all of it away, but it might help um, tame some pieces so that you're not just completely obliterated and paralyzed in fetal right. position on your bed, you can't move.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I get that. And that's where in my early twenties, that's where I was, you know, right. and it's, and it was, it was the, it was counseling is combination of counseling, a uh, very long period of counseling, and then eventually, uh, figuring out the right kind of medication and dosage and all both. that, which is just a for the listeners. And you can, you're, you're the expert. So, uh, but in my experience, uh, with myself and, and journeying with others, in it too is that it's not always the first medication is not always the right medication the first dose right. is not and to just be honest and continue you know on that journey uh someone the first who's therapist. therapist oh sorry that? and the
1: first the first therapist might not be the right therapist either because exactly. there's a lot of not great therapists out there right like for right. me it's really hard to find one because it'll be like you're not trained or i'll be like oh you just yeah. want me to t- talk, but you're actually you're not doing anything. I have a friend for this. No, I'm joking. But also people like to use their friends as therapists, which I don't advise either because they're not trained and they're not objective. Uh and so people have a misconception of what therapy is, I think a lot of times.
0: And I think there was a season I did that. And it puts people in and even a spouse, I think, Mm -hmm. to be open and sharing, but I think what it changes the dynamic, at least in my experience. And instead of having a health relationship becomes a, a very strange Uh, thing to walk through where yeah the counseling such a huge thing what would your piece of advice be to an artist who might be listening right now Um, they're dealing with it they're afraid they're dealing with like depression and a lot of these things we've been talking about Uh, what would what first steps would you encourage them to
1: Well, and it depends on where you are. So, you know, we're based out of Kansas City here, but uh, I think uh, there's a lot of county mental health organizations. So in the Kansas City area, there's the Tri-County Mental Health, there's Johnson County Mental Health. Uh, Those are great resources. Uh, If uh, you are having suicidal thoughts, uh, the Suicide Lifeline is actually moving to a three-digit number in July of this year uh, called 988. Uh, and so they're actually the, these, all these crisis centers are actually gearing up because they think there's going to be a huge influx of people calling the suicide lifeline uh, because it's just going to be a three digit number, 988. That's why now um, in the entire country, you're going to have to start dialing 10 digit numbers. I mean, I guess that's the thing of the past with cell phones, but it has right. to, you have to have the full number in there now, um, because they're gearing up for people who have nine, eight, eight phone numbers, not to go straight to the suicide lifeline. Uh, I know in Missouri, they have the Missouri crisis line. I don't have the numbers on me right now. Um, if it deals with sexual assault, uh, called MOXA. They have a 24 hour crisis line. They also have therapy, not just for victims of sexual assault, um, but for partners of people who've gone through that and things too. Um, a lot of people, if they have a normal day job, a lot of companies will have something called an employee assistance program or an EAP, hmm. uh, where they'll give you six free sessions of therapy. Uh, and some of them work also with some of those. Apps, mental health apps now, where you can talk to professional mental health professionals about different things. And right. a lot of these organizations I mentioned in town, um, a lot of uh, county mental health organizations will have sliding scale. So if you don't have a lot of money, um, I always like to talk about the Midwest Music Foundation as well, which is another Kansas City resource, but maybe in different music community tees, wherever your listeners are, um, they may have an organization like that, that help push, not just for physical health, but mental health of musicians as well.
0: That's huge. Yeah. And that's, I know for me, it was that first step of finally talking, um, yeah. and people in my life had no idea that I've been dealing with it for years. Like the because well, people feel people
1: shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's really cool. It's really cool that you are merging these worlds together. Um, and continue to stir the pot of the conversation. Why not? It in, I'm a in a, way, <laughs> in a healthy way, you know. Um, that's awesome. Well, for the last two questions, uh, based off of the podcast itself, live and create. Live and create. Uh, right now, how would you define living a great life?
1: I think happiness is huge. Uh, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think. So for a life for me, i would be full of happiness, purpose, creativity, authenticity adventure, love. I think all those things make a great life community with people. Um, whether that's uh, in one of my groups, one of my projects, or just people in general, I don't know very many strangers. So I randomly (laughs) collect friends (laughs) here and there. Um, Just bring them all in why not? And and I have, I've have never been a person who's very clicky. I invite everyone. And if you want to be my friend, we're friends. As long as you're not trying to harm me, we're good. <laughs> but, uh, and I think we see a lot of times disjointed pieces within the music uh, community here, but I have friends at every single different one. And, and hopefully through that, people will connect with each other because uh, music community is only a strong as each individual piece. So it's really important that we support each other and people say that some people mean it, some don't, I actually do, <laughs> but, and, and that's why, you know, if you can help someone out do it.
0: Well, I think your work, uh, you know, proves it, you know, that you're out there to help people and build up, uh, for the last question, how would you define creating great things?
1: I think it's just wholeheartedly, uh, putting yourself in, pouring your entire essence into something. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Whether it's you know music, whether it's doing a journal article to go to a peer-reviewed journal, whether it's working on my statistics textbook um, called Statistics with Humans, it's going to publish with Sage Publications in January. Um, it's just heartedly putting yourself in whatever makes you happy, whatever is full of purpose, and and just let it go.
0: That's awesome. And so you're you're creating a textbook. Yes. You got <laughs> a new band collective, and you got new music coming out with your current band yeah. interstate run and um yeah you're doing a lot of great stuff so <laughs> And we've been working on these things for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: it's so funny because people are like, we haven't heard from you in a while. And then all of a sudden everything comes out at the same time. They're like, you've been so busy. I'm like, actually not. I'm in bed by eight o'clock most nights. Like I try not to do any work on Sundays, but like, for example, my textbook, I've been working on that for like three or more years. Right. right. But that's going to come out the same time. Like when our interstate run singles are going to come out. Cause we have two that we're going to push out. (laughs) Um, but we, you know, we recorded, The main piece is back in October last year. You know we've been rehearsing for a year. Uh, You know we're on of clay's in rehearsals right now, Uh, but all these things are going to happen at the same time. So people are like, "You're so busy. You're the busiest person I know." And I'm like, "I'm really, really not."
0: You're like you just steadily create and then release and put it out there. Release. That's awesome. Well, let folks know how to connect with your music and connect with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in terms of Interstate Run, you can find us, uh, one of our best places right now is facebook.com um, backslash Run. We also have interstaterun.com. We need to overhaul our website, so don't judge us. <laughs> and then uh, for Ramona Clay, and we don't have our website up, but we own it. Um, so Ramona Clay, you could just find us on Facebook. So that's going to be R-A-M-O-N-A-C-L-A-Y, Ramona Clay uh, for everything else, I guess you could follow me on Instagram at Katerina J. So that's K-A-T-E-R-I-N-A and then J-A-E.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, hanging out. Thanks for making the time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you for listening to the live and create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe
1: and leave a comment or a review. The live and create podcast.